last week, and the Bible says of itself, for the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What happens is the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us that everything in life, actually the words that come out of our mouth, the decisions that we make, uh, they all come from deep inside of somewhere inside of our, our heart, in our soul. Somewhere deep down inside, the Bible says that all, all the stuff that we are doing and, and saying and whatever is coming from somewhere inside. And the Bible is the only tool with the, with the Holy Spirit, it's the only tool that gets all the way down into the depths of your soul to help you see what's there. And if you change a, 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 a part inside of your heart that's hurting or that's chained or that's deceived or that's broken, and the Word of God gets into that crevice, into that spot, turns a spotlight on it, and you agree with what God says instead of what you've been feeling or have been experiencing, and you let God change that part of you on the inside, all the stuff that came from that root now begins to change on the outside. It's beautiful. That's why the Bible says this transforms your life, right? Transforms your life. There's nothing sharper than the Word of God. It's the only thing that gets all the way down to the inside, the depths of your soul. That's why when we open it every day, this is my challenge to you, open it up every day. Let God get down inside of you. This is what transforms your life. Not reading it, but letting God get into who you are and then responding to that, and it changes our lives. Amen? Does anybody have a testimony on how God has been using this series or the Word of God lately that has just encouraged you, impacted you? I don't know where that mic went, but uh, Caleb? Somebody? Does anybody got a testimony? I just want to share a real quick testimony of what God's been doing uh, through the Word of God in your life. Anybody? Okay. Well, I have a whole lot to say. I've got a testimony. It's going to go the rest of this uh, ser- uh, sermon here. Um, I am really excited about what God is doing in, a, in, in this series and in my life, even from the Word of God. Now, today, um, there's another verse I want to share with you. I was meditating on this verse, um, Proverbs 19.8. And uh, let me see what does it say. It says, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. That was really speaking to me. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes understanding prospers. And I was thinking about that, that God has stirred up an appetite in me. I think he's stirred up an appetite in us for his wisdom and for his truths and for his life-giving ways of doing life. And as we give ourselves to it, the Bible says it's more precious than gold. The wisdom of God is more, more valuable than rubies and diamonds It is the most precious thing that you can get in your life is the word of God, the wisdom of God into our hearts. And the Bible says, if you are one who is a collector of wisdom, if you are one who seeks the word of God and and is is not being a gold miner, but it's mining for wisdom, mining, seeking, looking, digging for the wisdom of God, and you're purposing to take this time and study it and read it and think about it and let God speak to you, the Bible says you love your soul. You know why you love your soul? Because your soul will prosper. Your soul will be revived, right? 
it will become refreshed. We, we did a memory verse in, uh, I think it was Psalm 19.7, right? Uh, the, the, law, the, the law of God is perfect, refreshing, or reviving our souls. And this is what I've been experiencing the last couple of months. I have just taken my personal, you know, devotional time, and I, I decided at the turn of the year that I was just going to go up. I was just going to, I was like, I'm just going to seek more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to just press in more. And as I've been doing that, my soul has been refreshed. My soul has been revived. And, uh, and I'm loving my soul. And uh, it doesn't mean that I don't have a whole lot of other attacks, challenges, because when we press into God, there's someone else who's trying to stop us from doing that, right? This is, this is normal, 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 normal activity, okay? When a person takes a step towards God, and you're really getting serious about your faith, and you're really going after God, then you are going to have some resistance. You're going to have an attack. You're going to have some, some trouble. But God will, if you keep pressing in, God will come alongside of you, and he will encourage you, and he will equip you, and he will teach you, and you will keep taking ground. You will keep taking ground. I'm in Joshua right now in my personal uh, studies, and uh, they're just entering the land, and they're just getting ready to take some people out. This morning I read about the walls of Jericho falling down, baby, falling down. And there's an enemy in the land. There's an enemy in the land that God has given you to possess. God has given it to you. The promises of God are yes, and yet there's still an enemy there, and he has already said, I'm giving this land to you. I'm giving you this promise. But how many of you know we need to trust in him and take that step of faith and dispossess the enemies? Okay? That's what life is. This is what it is. Welcome to the journey. So you're not alone when you, get dis, uh, get, when you get tempted to be discouraged. You're not alone when your marriage comes under attack. You're not alone when, uh, you know, your children aren't, aren't doing everything you want them to do, and there's tension in the home, and there's trouble with finances, and there's trouble with work. And listen, that's normal for a Christian to be moving into what God has. There are going to be challenges, right? There's going to be an enemy that says, no, 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 I, I've, this is, I want to stay here. And you got to say, no, you're not. You don't belong here. This land belongs to me, right? The Lord has given me this land. And he told me to possess it. So there is a battle. There's a fight to be fought. There's a fight to be won. But you have everything you need from the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit. That is the word of God. That is your weapon of offense. And that's why this series is so important. If you've experienced an increase in attacks or trouble, can I just see your hand today? In the last month or so, have you, have you experienced, how many of you have made this commitment, you're stepping it up, you're seeking the word of God, and at the same time, you've experienced more attacks and more, more resistance? Okay, look around. We're in this together, okay? Now, don't be discouraged. This is normal. What do you do under these situations? And this isn't even my message, so I don't know how long we're going to go on this, but what do you do? The Bible says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who, what? We press in and we lay hold of the promises of God. We are the ones who believe and are saved. We believe and are saved. If you shrink back, you start to step forward with God and you start to seek God and you're reading the Bible and you're trying to memorize scriptures and you're getting real about your faith and all of a sudden trouble comes well, and, you, and, and, you, and you hear these, these whispers, well, this ain't working out so good. Why, you know, this... 
I thought I was going to start feeling better. I thought good things were going to start happening because I'm doing all these things to, to know God. Well, man, if this is what this is about, I think I should just like, you know, back away. Let's get back to comfort zone here. No, I don't like this. I don't like these attacks. I don't like all this. I don't like these problems. Okay? Now, where's that coming from? It's coming from an enemy who doesn't want you to possess the land that God's already given to you. Right? It's lies. It's not truth. So what we do is we press in and we go forward together. We need to encourage each other together and take some ground in our own lives. Every little crevice of our heart belongs to God. It doesn't belong to the enemy. Every single lie that we have believed or that we, any, any piece of truth that we haven't yet learned or discovered, every one of those things is what God wants to do in us. He wants us to be completely free, and he wants all of you, every part of your heart. He will not stop till he's got every part of your heart because he loves you. He loves you. The chains that we're talking about breaking, those chains are all the way down inside. And when you begin to crack open the word of God and you let the spirit of God bring those words to life, that's where the chains are broken. It's, it's not always broken in a powerful time of worship, which that can happen, and it does. A lot of times it's broken in your home when you open the Bible and you're letting God speak to you. And all of a sudden, a light comes on. And you're like, oh, that's where that's coming from. And this is what God's saying to me. And if I choose to believe and I choose to hold on to that seed, that seed will grow. That seed will produce new fruit in my life. Then it will produce a great harvest in my life, and that will change my life. Do you see? That's where the chains are broken, is in this daily devotional, daily seeking, daily depending on God. So that's why we're doing this series on the Word. And if you're not on board yet, I want to challenge you. Listen, this is the greatest single thing you can do with your day, is to have a time in God's Word, seeking Him. The Word of God will bring life to you, health to you, peace to you. It promises long life, prosperity, success. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything I'm missing, but those are all different verses in the Bible that says this is where, where, what it does for us. And today, whatever time we have left, we're going to talk about how God, God's Word illuminates. He opens our eyes. He helps us to see things that we can't see without His help. And this week's uh, scripture is James 1.22. It's a very popular one. I think we may have memorized it at some point, maybe last year. I don't know. But James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. If you just come to church and you listen to a message and you go home and you don't apply the word of God, then the Bible says you're just deceiving yourself. It's like, what do you mean, pastor? I did a good thing. Yeah, you did a good thing. You got to church. That's great. You know, you're saying you, you heard the message, it's great, but it will not turn into a blessing until you let it get planted in your heart, and then you pick your foot up and you act it out. You see, the blessing comes in obedience. So the, the Bible says, do what it says. When you put the wisdom of God into practice, that's when the blessing is released. That's when the fruit comes, right? Otherwise, you're just deceiving yourself. You say, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing good. I went to church. You know, I've been coming to church more. That's good. That's great. But you're not at that fruitful level yet. It's, you're not at the transformational level until you walk out of here with the Spirit of God speaking to your heart, and you say, yes, I'm doing that. I believe that. I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to put that into practice today. I'm going to let the Word of God be lived out in my life today. Okay? 
And so that's the foolish man. That's the wise man distinction. Who, not who's listening, who's doing, right? Not who heard, but who's putting into practice. So let's put it into practice, okay? So here's the challenges of this series. Come to church, listen, engage, study, and if you can't be here, hear the message. The second challenge is to uh, join the Word team. Memorize a verse every week with us. Some of you, honestly, you're ready to memorize more than one verse a week, okay? So just do that. Get hungry. Get, get going. Treasure. Be a wisdom finder. Be a gold miner, right? Collect. Dig. Search. Find. Put into practice. It's awesome. I remember Dwayne and my dad years ago, remember that? We went out to, uh, Calif- uh, was it California? And we stopped at, what, some old abandoned gold mine? And, uh, and you, could go, you, you could pay tickets, you know, buy tickets. You go in this mine, you put your little hat on, you, and they give you a really tiny little sledgehammer and a really dull chisel. And, they, you know, it's just supposed to be this, it's supposed to be this little token. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, I got a rock. Oh, maybe that's a speck of gold, whatever. Well, my dad and Dwayne get back in there. They're like 30 years old, you know, 30-some years old. They get back in there, and they're like, boom, 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 getting big rocks. There's this wooden barrier you're not supposed to cross. They're leaning over the wooden barrier. I see a vein. I see a vein. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> like, we walk out of there with these ro- like rocks, like boulders. We're like walking out. And uh, they probably shut the, main, you know, the mine down after you guys left. Gold fever. I saw it firsthand. Gold fever. They're laughing because they know it. They're like, it's real. It's real. Gold fever is real. And the Bible says that the wisdom of God is more precious than gold. And I'm telling you right now, as you begin to mine for, for gold, for the wisdom of God, you can get wisdom fever. You can, it get, becomes contagious in your life. You, just, you, you begin to put it into practice and you see, hey, even though there's more pressure, there's more tension, you, you, you start winning some battles. You start taking some more ground, even though there's always going to be that resistance, but you don't give in. You just keep proclaiming the word of God and you defeat that enemy and you're stronger for it. Now you're ready for a different battle and you're moving into what God has for you and you get more hungry. There's more wisdom for you. It's awesome. So let's get wisdom fever. You know what I'm saying? Let's get word fever. Let's get after this. Okay, um, today we're going to talk about illumination. Uh, we went through, I guess this is week five already, but week one we talked about construction, how we're deciding to build our life on the word of God. We're deciding to be a wise man or a wise woman who builds their house on the rock, right? Strong foundation. What is the strong foundation of our lives? It's the word of God. It's putting into practice the Word of God. The second week, we talked about how we can trust the Bible as God's Word, and actually, it was a two-week message. Uh, We looked at how the Bible is historically accurate, scientifically accurate, prophetically accurate, thematically unified. It was confirmed by Jesus. It has life-transforming power and has withstood all attacks throughout 2,000 years and has stood the test of time. The Bible is the Word of God. It is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is alive. It's active. It's, it's the greatest force on planet Earth, okay? And, and it's for you to know God, to experience Him, and to live in a, in a victorious level with His help. It's awesome. Uh, last week, we talked about seven different ways that the Bible changes us, and I think we only talked about three or four of them, depending on which service you're in, all right? 
But today we're going to look at illumination and saying to ourselves, what, what, what do we see when we see what God wants us to see? Okay? I'm going to walk you through a couple Bible stories and then uh, and give you a couple other points at the end. But I don't know about you, but I've experienced uh, at, at nighttime, if you ever woke up at night, you need to use the bathroom or you need a drink of water or something like that, and you don't really want to turn the lights on because, you know, you might wake up your family or your spouse or something. So you're like, ah, I know where to go. Have you guys, uh, anybody ever do this at night who's had kids? And you're like walking, you're like, I got the path down, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, oh yeah. Why? Why? Why is that there? It's not supposed to be there, whatever that is, right? A toy, a chair left out, something like that, stub your toe. You know, the, what we know is that the more light, the, the better you can see, right? And the Bible uh, is a light. The Bible says it's a light to our path. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And it's a light for what? It's a light to see how to live this life. It is the light. It is a flashlight of our lives. But the Holy Spirit is the one who turns those, the, the light on. And the, the, dimmer, the dimmer the light, the higher it is to see. But the brighter the light, the easier it is to see, the farther you can see. And as we study the Word of God, we're going to discover, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that He lights our path and He gives us illumination. Now, the primary role of the Holy Spirit, one of those primary roles, is to illuminate the Scriptures to us, to show us what God's plan is for our lives. So look at what Jesus said in John 14, 26. He said, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, all things. And he will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't that awesome? The Holy Spirit will tell us everything that Jesus has said, and he will teach us all things. He will illuminate uh, for us what God's word uh, is saying. John 16, 15, Jesus said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And Ephesians 1:17, Paul says, I'm asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Remember the word know in Hebrew means to experience him. It's not to cognitively have more information stuffed in your cranium or something. It means that you will experience more of God. May the Holy Spirit come and turn a light on so you see who God really is and you experience him more and more, okay? So let's talk about that. A couple of different stories in the Bible. Um, first of all, I want to say that the Bible is supernatural, and there's no other book, and I, I hesitate to even say this as a book. I don't want to just say this as a book, but anyway, I'll say it. There's no other book in all of creation in which you can be reading the book and talking to the author at the same time. No matter where you are on planet Earth, no matter what time of day, no matter what time, time zone, no matter what era you have been alive in, Everybody who has read this book has had the opportunity to talk to the author at the exact same moment. So one of the greatest things you can do when you open this book is say this, Oh, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things written in your word. Open my eyes so I can see wonderful things written in your word. God, release some of the storage of wisdom to me now. God, open my heart. Let me understand who you are. Speak to me because he will speak to you. The author of the book is still alive. Okay, remember our verse. This thing is alive. This thing is active. This thing is, is happening right now. So it's pretty cool. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, Paul says, I pray that the eyes 
of your heart may be enlightened. So here's what's cool is before you're a Christian, you have what um, senses. You have the taste, touch, sight, hearing, all that stuff. But when you become a Christian, there is a whole new set of senses that you are given, spiritual senses. Now you get spiritual eyes. All of a sudden, you can see dimly. You can see some things. But you, you can't see anything in the spirit, spiritual realm. You become a Christian, you, your spirit's born again. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, whoa. You can see spiritually. You have spiritual ears. You can hear the voice of God speaking to you. You can hear him. You can, you can feel. You can be in an environment, and all of a sudden, you feel um, something's not right in this space, and I need to leave. Or you can come into a, pre- and you can feel the presence of God is in this place. Wow. You feel it. You have spiritual touch. You have spiritual ears. You can hear God speaking to your heart. You, you have this, this thing like, ah, I don't think that's the right direction to go. I don't think that's the right decision. It's a spiritual sense that you have. You see? And, and you can see things that you couldn't see before. And uh, so we have spiritual eyes, ears, feelings, smell, taste. We live in a physical world and a spiritual world. And this is very important. Which one's more powerful? We have a spiritual world. We have a physical world. Okay? Now, here's a couple ways that you can figure out, you know, which one is more powerful. First of all, which one came first? A spiritual world came first. Okay? God created all this that we see. The spiritual world came first, then the physical world. In fact, the physical world was created by the spiritual world. That that alone answers the question. So the spiritual world created the physical world. The spiritual world is more powerful. You with me? Not only that, but which one's going to last longer? The spiritual world is going to last for eternity and the physical world is temporary. Now, I say all that to say this. There's a great paradox that we experience every single day. We're walking, we're touching, we're tasting physically, and we think that this is what everything's about. And this is temporary, and it's weak. It is not in control. It's not powerful. It's not dictating anything. Everything in the physical realm is a result of the spiritual realm. So if we're living with physical senses and we're, domin- we're dominated by the physical senses, we're completely missing what we're here for because we are spirits who live in a body. We are eternal beings created in the image of God who is an eternal God who have a temporary physical experience, Okay? So which senses should we be paying attention to the most? Our spiritual senses, because that is reality. Spiritual world is more real, more permanent, more powerful than the physical reality we live in. You guys agree with me? This is a great paradox because I don't know about you, but, you know, I got, I got an ice rink to shovel later today. I got some bills to pay on Monday, right? I got some appointments this week. I got some things I got to do, right? But I'm telling you that the Bible is telling us, God is telling us, put your eyes on heaven. Get tuned in to the spiritual truths and principles that are 
really more important than what you're dealing with every day. And if you get in touch with the spiritual realm, the spiritual realm is what creates a new physical realm. The spiritual truths in the word of God is what will change the physical realities that we're dealing with. You hear what I'm saying? So you've got to get on board with right here, right this, right here. This is our spiritual book that teaches us and and guides us. And so um, I don't know if if you ever had those aha moments. Maybe you're in a conversation with your spouse. You guys are kind of not agreeing on something and whatever. And it could be like a long thing that goes on. And, you know, we have these two, my wife and I, and had one recently. And it's like, oh. I get it. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, oh, okay, I finally see it. And a light bulb goes on. Have you ever been in math class and that happened? <laughs> Some of you are like, no. Well, that happened to me. I was in math class, and that's why I love math, because for some reason, my brain would track with it, and they'd be teaching something new, and, all, and they'd be showing a problem. They'd be doing this problem, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh. And I I used to teach math. I loved that. I could see it, and I could hear it. I mean, literally, there's this, oh, it always happened in math class. It was awesome. Teaching something. Well, do you see? And all of a sudden, oh. And they drop the pencil. They're like, I got it. I'm like, yes. Well, God wants that for you. He wants that for you in your life. And there's no way we're going to cover all of this. I'm just going to go through a couple things that I feel like God wants us to look at, okay? All right, first one is, uh, when I see things as God wants me to see them, I see the solution to my problem. Real quick story. Uh, some of you know this story. Abraham was promised a son. He had a wife. Her name was Sarah. And then uh, after 10 years, you know, the promise hadn't uh, happened yet. Uh, he's 85 years old, and his wife Sarah says to him, I got an idea. Let's help God out. Because God's not delivering on this promise, evidently. I don't know, maybe it's up to us to figure this out. So she said, take my maidservant, Hagar, and uh, I'll have your child through her. So you take her, uh, and, and then we'll consider that our child. We'll help God out. And uh, whose idea is this? Man's idea. All right? It's, it's man's plan, man's plan. Here's what the Bible says about man's plan. Proverbs 14, 12, all right? There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death, okay? Now, you don't need your plan. You don't need your husband's plan, your wife's plan, uh, a self-book help, you know, self-help book plan. You need God's promise. God gave Abraham a promise, and they reverted to a plan, okay? And so anyway, this didn't work out too good. Um, But later, God delivered on his promise, as he always does, and they had Isaac. And so Isaac's born, and now Sarah gets jealous of her other son, Ishmael and Hagar, because she didn't actually bear, you know, uh, uh, birth um, Ishmael. Hagar did. So she gets jealous, and she kicks him out of the family, and they have to leave. So Hagar and Ishmael are given some water, very limited supplies. They're out in the desert, and Hagar's crying to God. She can't, she knows that there's, you know, she's lost everything. Uh, They have no place to go, no job, no future, no family. 
doesn't know what to do. She sets her young boy over under this uh, fig tree or something. She goes away from him in a distance because she can't stand to hear him cry and see him die. And she's, it's, it's over for her. She thinks she's going to die. Her son's going to die. And she's just destitute. She's got a huge problem. And it says here that God heard the boy crying. This is in Genesis 21. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's the matter, Hagar? <laughs> I wonder why Hagar said, what do you mean, what's the matter? I mean, can't you see? And uh, he said, don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Verse 19, then God opened her eyes. He opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And Ishmael later became the father of the Arab nations. He did become, we know the end of the story, he did become a father of 12, 12 tribes, and uh, what currently we, we believe is traced back to the Arab nations. And Hagar had the solution right in front of her. It was there. But in her pain, in her confusion, in her hurt, in the circumstances of life, she couldn't even see it. It was there. The well of water was there. And, and yet, when God showed up, he opened her eyes and she saw the solution right in front of her. I don't know about you what problem you have right now, but I guarantee we all have a problem, right? Some of them are big. Some of them are, are, are crisis mode. And we're, we're trying to come up with a plan. We're trying to figure out what to do. We're, de we're desperate. I just want to share with you, you need God to open your eyes to see his solution because it's there. God will direct you. He will illuminate through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. God will direct you because he cares for you and he loves you. I remember years ago, uh, we had one of our kids, we, we had uh, something going on in our home and they were having nightmares. In fact, they call it like night terrors. And uh, this was many years ago. And uh, this happened for, I don't know, I would say multiple times. I'd say like three times or so in 10 days. You know, I mean, it was, it was really troubling because we didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, we're all sleeping and in the middle of the night. We hear commotion, you know, we're, and it's just, uh, they look like they're awake, but they're not, they're not responding at all. And they're just petrified petrified, you know, seeing things and stuff. We're like, what is going on? So I'm doing spiritual warfare. And I'm like, you know, binding up demons and whatever, cleansing my house, whatever I can do, you know. But it kept happening, and, we, and so my wife and I were praying. We're like, well, where is this coming from? And then God opened our eyes, opened our eyes. What was happening, what we realized was there was a video game that was being played in the home. And, uh, and anyway, one of our children was watching this video game. It was Spider-Man versus Venom. I don't know if you guys know who Venom is, but he was a green lizard monster-looking thing with big teeth, and he was just, it was just scary. And all of a sudden, God gave us this insight. It's coming from the game. So we stopped the game, got the game out of our house. We're like, we're never, never playing that game again. And we never had another issue with those night, night terrors anymore. Isn't that awesome? But how do you know that? How do you get that? How do you, how do we, the, do you think God cares about your, your practical life and your, the details of, he absolutely does. And we need to ask him. We need to invite him into every area. The solution, God has the solution for you. You may be blinded to it right now, but let's believe that God will open our eyes, open our eyes so we can see what to do and we can live uh, 
live a life that's filled with victory in every area of our lives. Uh, the second one, I see the barrier to my progress. When I see what God wants me to see, I will see the barrier to my progress. I don't know if you ever had resistance, if you, you've been trying to move in a certain direction or trying to do something, and you're, you're just, it's just not happening, and there's a barrier, but you can't figure out what's holding you back. Um, I remember for us, we had um, uh, the first house that we ever bought was right here in town. We live across the street from Roxy's Diner. But um, 19 years ago, in five months, we came within $500 of living in a different house in Birch Run. And who knows what, what difference that would have been, but we were dealing, we were trying to find a house. We found a house we thought we liked, you know, it's in Birch Run, it's over by the goalpost pizzeria in there. And uh, we made an offer, and we thought it was a good offer. They came back within $500, within $500 of our offer. I'm like, why would they not, why, why do they want $500 more dollars? And, and we're, you know, we're young, we, we're excited to get in a house, and we're praying, and I'm just like, I didn't feel like God wanted us to do it. I'm like, $500, no big deal. I mean, even on my side, but I felt like, no, we're not going to do that. So we'll tell them, we're, we're, you need to come down $500, uh, or we're not going to do it. So we had this barrier, we had this resistance. So our real estate agent talked to them, and they wouldn't do it. I'm like, then we're done. Because I, I just didn't have peace about it. God stopped us from having that house. And I believe God wanted me living in this community. He wanted me here. He wanted us right here growing our kids up in this community, in these schools, connecting with the people, being one of the Montrosians here to reach the, this community. Not, and if you're not from Montrose, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? This is our hub, and I need to be here. And God, there's a reason why God resisted that and didn't open that door. Maybe there's the same thing going on in your life. Maybe there's a reason why what you're trying to do isn't working. Are you submitting all of it to God? You know, because there's this guy named Balaam who was on a donkey who was up to no good. He wanted to go and curse the people of Israel, but he was like, no, I'll just go, and, and God didn't want him to go. So he goes on his donkey, and the Bible tells us this story in... Uh, uh, was in Numbers chapter 22, and uh, all of a sudden there's an angel Lord appears with a sword ready to take Balaam's head off, and the donkey sees him, and the donkey goes around him, and Balaam's like, donkey, donkey, you dumb donkey, he's kicking his donkey, mad cursing at his donkey, you know, so they keep going, and then the angel of the Lord appears again. Now, Balaam isn't seeing the angel, but the donkey's seen the angel. I'm thinking that's saying a lot, okay? Balaam is supposed to be a prophet of God, He's supposed to have this connection with God, and his donkey is seen with spiritual eyes, and Balaam is absolutely blinded, blinded to it. Three times this happens. The third time, the angel of the Lord, it's a very narrow uh, uh, um, alleyway or something, and the donkey can't get left or right. He just sits down. He's saving Balaam's life, and Balaam is cursing him. He's beating him. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, God opened the mouth of the donkey. The donkey starts talking to him. He's like, why? Why are you beating on me? Haven't I been your donkey for a long time? Have I ever done this stuff before? Balaam's, and here's, the, here's what's really funny about the story. Balaam talks back to him. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed that the donkey's talking, but I'm even more amazed that Balaam actually is talking to the donkey. I would be like, 
You know, I don't know. So he talks to him. He has a conversation with a donkey. And then the Bible says this in, in verse uh, 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in front of him with a, a, a sword drawn. And he bowed down and fell face down. And the angel said to them, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one. It's a reckless path. And God was trying to protect Balaam. He's also protecting his purpose for the people of Israel. And he was resisting what Balaam was trying to do and determined to do. And, uh, and he said, if your donkey hadn't done what you'd done, I was ready to take you out. And so, again, you know, I'm not so sure sometimes if we should be beating on our car, you know, if it breaks down, if we should be throwing a tantrum to our spouse, we should be blaming our boss, mad at our friend, mad at life. And blaming all these different situations or people or circumstances, maybe we should turn our attention to the Lord, commit our path to Him, and find out where He wants us to go. Because God just might be holding you back from a reckless path or a wrong decision. And, and God can open our eyes, and He can show us, can He? And that's what we want. We want to follow, we want to follow God. I also remember years ago, it was uh, 1993, I was pursuing this opportunity to be in another church. I was, uh, I was only like 24 years old. I knew I had a calling on my life to be, you know, in a church. So I pursued a position in this church down in Florida, and I had the greatest respect for that person. His name was, some of you guys know him, he's our first youth pastor ever, J.B. Bowman, some of our some of our folks. So I came this close to going down to a church in Florida where, where JB was and uh, went through the steps and all that. And then he, he said no. JB said no to me. And it just crushed me. He was my youth pastor. I loved him. He is a really amazing person. And I was like, this would be a great opportunity for me to learn from him and, you know, take a year of my life and just serve there and learn and grow. And he said no. And I was like, crushed. I was like, God, I thought you called me. I mean, it wasn't like I was trying to do something wrong, you know, and, and yet there was a slam door, shut door, barrier. I'm like, why? Why is, why is this happening? What's going on? And later in life, you know, later uh, down the road, I found out that he was, you know, getting ready to leave that church. Didn't want to put me in that awkward position, but also through a, a you know, a period of uh, other events, you know, within two years, I was here, and this is where God wanted me. So sometimes we get really discouraged or disappointed, but I just want to let you know, God is with you through it all. He's, if you keep submitting your life to him, even though you may come up with against a barrier at times and you don't understand, just turn it over to God and trust in him. Trust in him because he is guiding us. He's leading our path, isn't he? And that's what Proverbs says, doesn't it? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Just let's trust in the Lord with all we got. Let's just give every area of our life over to him, and he will do what? He will direct our path. And when you look back, if you can do that, even now, thinking about this, you can look back and you can see God's hand in the journey, right? He's walked with you. 
he's walking with you right now. There's a couple other stories you might want to look at just for fun this week. Uh, one is in 2 Kings chapter 6. That's where when we see what God sees, we see the defense that's attacking me. There's a great story about how Elisha and his servant Gehazi are surran- surrounded by an Aramean army of all these horses and chariots coming against them. And Elisha says to his servant, God, open his eyes. And God opened his eyes, and he saw all the hosts of heaven and the angel warriors around. He says, there are more with us than them. And then Elisha said this, Lord, blind their eyes. And the Lord blinded the entire uh, the army from Aram, blinded them all. He says, come and follow me. I'll show you where you want to go. And he brought them all to Samaria, right into the presence of the Israelite army. And the Israelite army had their whole army right there. And he said, Lord, open their eyes. And their eyes were open. They're like, ah! What happened? Listen, there is more with us than against us. All of heaven is with you. The odds are stacked in our favor. It's not fair. It's not fair. The Bible says if God is for you, who could be against you? Listen, you got all the odds on your side. If you're trusting in the Lord, there is no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper. They have no chance, your enemies. No chance. All the power of the enemy has been defeated and stripped. You hear what I'm saying? I can't stop smiling. I mean, it's like, it's not fair. Some, pe- some people are living life as a victim, but, you know, I choose not to do that because I know too much. I'm, I'm not a victim. Oh, my word. It's not fair. We got the book. We got the God. We got the, the Spirit. We got him on our side. And so as we begin to just grow in our ability to find that wisdom, put it into practice, then God, God reveals his plan in our lives, and he is trustworthy, isn't he? He's trustworthy. I want to encourage you today to just keep getting into the Word of God. And uh, the, last, the last story that I mentioned in there you can read is about the road to Emmaus where these two guys were walking with Jesus and they thought they had lost everything. And, they, uh, and they're talking. Jesus shows up. They don't even recognize him. And they're walking and talking. And finally, at the end of the story, we read that the Lord opened their eyes and they saw it was Jesus. And they realized something. Even though they thought they had lost everything, that Jesus had been walking with them the whole time. And I don't know what you're dealing with or what you've lost or what you're struggling with. I just want to remind you, he is with you right now. And I pray that God would open your eyes just to see he's with you. And no matter what you're going through, uh, you have a Savior who loves you, who's walking with you. And uh, let's just tune in to our spiritual senses this week and let God just open our eyes. What problem, Lord? I got this problem, open my eyes. Lord, I got, I got these, uh, this resistance, I got this attack against me. Open my eyes, Lord. Show me, show me who's with me. Show me your power, show me your strength. Lead me and guide me into this victory because I don't know what to do. It feels like I have overwhelming odds. Lord, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I've lost something. I don't know what to do about it. Show me that you're with me and encourage me. Amen? So let's stand together and let's pray. As we close our service this morning, um, I just want to encourage you to come forward.
to the altar for prayer. We've got some prayer teams here available. But to come forward for prayer, um, if you just need some encouragement, you've got a problem, or you just need God to turn the light on in your eyes, okay? Let's pray together. Um, if, you, if you're struggling, feeling alone, uh, let's come forward, let's pray together that God would show himself to you today, that he's with you, and he, he is with you. Um, and uh, if you just need uh, just some encouragement, you need a, just a touch from God, you know, let's just come, come forward, let's just receive some prayer, and, and do this together as a family. At the outset of this message, you know, what we were talking about was from, from the Lord, that a lot of us feel like we have seen an increase in attacks and struggles and, and troubles. Let's come together. In fact, let's come together right now, if that's you, and let's just gather together right here. Let's just do corporate prayer together, okay? But you guys keep playing the music. If that's you, if you just, if you've been going through an increased attack, let's just gather together. We're just going to we're just going to corporately strengthen one another as a family. Pray together, okay? Thank you, Lord. Just come forward right now if that's you. We're just going to be praying together, ministering to each other. Get next to somebody. Give somebody a hug. We're in this together. We're a family. We're all going through struggles. But greater is he who's in you than he who's in this world, okay? We're called to fight. We're called to resist. But God has given us everything that we need for victory. Everything. And part of that provision is one another, right? Right now, in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So make sure you're, you're with somebody right now, okay? You got a hand with somebody, an arm around somebody. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands towards heaven. Lord, and if you're in the congregation, stretch your hands out, please. We're praying for one another right now. God, we just thank you that greater are you who's in us than the one who's against us. Thank you, Lord. We just build our faith right now that whatever we're facing, Lord, that you are bigger than the battle. You're stronger. You're higher. You're wiser. You're eternal. We believe in you, Lord, and we lift each other up right now. Lord, you told us to submit to you, to submit to you. So first, first thing we do right here, all of us right now in your heart, just say, Lord, I give it all to you. I give my life to you. I submit to you. You are Lord, and my faith and trust is in you. Thank you, Lord God, and you said to submit to you, Lord, and then resist the enemy, stand against him, and, and resist him with your word. So to get together right now, we're going to confess. Enemy, say that. Enemy, you have no power in this area of my life anymore. You are defeated. You have been defeated by the blood of Christ and his broken body on the cross. My Jesus is alive and he reigns as Lord over all. I break your assignment right now off of my life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, now we turn our attention to you. Thank you, Lord, for victory and for a path, for illumination, for wisdom, for courage, for your word to come alongside of us and set us free and empower us and to take that land that you have for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just take a second, pray for the person that you're next to, turn to one another, 
pray for one another. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman is powerful and effective, okay? We're a family. Pray with somebody right now. Believe for them in your midst of need. Pray for their need to be met and then pray for one another. Thank you, Lord. Please pray. Pray for, pray for one another right now. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for the family that you have given us. We thank you for this family of God. Thank you, Lord, that we're not just family, but we're warriors. We're warriors. Thank you, Lord. You're equipping us as an army to break every chain. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that Jesus is the name above all names. And at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Every enemy will bow right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can we sing that song.